Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have the drummer for Luke Combs, Jake Summers. You're going to hear Jake's story of growing up in New York and getting his first drum set at the age of six. You're also going to hear about his time studying music performance, his time playing the bars on Broadway, and when he met Luke Combs for the first time after a songwriter's night at Tin Roof. I had a great time talking to Jake. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. How you doing today, Jake? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? I'm doing real good. So getting right into your story, you grew up in New York. What was your childhood like? Man, I played a lot of sports. I got my first drum set when I was six years old, and I just took to it. Yeah. Um, every day after school, I'd throw my book bag down on the ground and just go play drums. I took lessons when I was six, uh, and then I stopped for like a year, and then I wanted to take lessons again. You know, you're a young kid. You just want to play. Right. You know what? I should take lessons and i still do to this day when i when i you know just need like a tune-up i just did last monday well now so so saw when you were growing up your dad sang and played guitar around the house a lot do you think that influenced you wanting to get into music like was it a party that wanted to be like your dad or you just kind of drawn to the drums um so funny enough my first instrument was actually piano oh really yeah um and then guitar then drums But um, yeah, so my dad, I always had music around my dad playing guitar and um, every, I mean, he loves music. So every time, you know, whenever we'd have dinner growing up, he'd have music playing. He'd be like, hey, who's this, you know, or, or who's this and stuff like that. And we kind of quiz me, which is awesome. But um, yeah, uh, I definitely got into music due to him. And I guess the first time I played an actual drum set, I was three years old at my cousin's wedding. My feet couldn't touch the pedals. Um, I guess I had to ask the band leader, can I play when they had a break? And they said, yeah. And, you know, it was just my hands at the time. And my parents were just like, okay, well, he he's gravitating toward the drums. So six years old, they got me a drum set and just kind of took to it. And I fell in love with it. So were you even, before you even got a drum set, were you the kid that was like just getting pots and pans, setting up your own type of just configuration, trying to get something going? You know, I don't know if I did that or not. I don't know if I tried that. You know, that's something I probably should ask my parents. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I always had, you know, the little kid plastic guitar. So I'd probably beat on that if I didn't have pots and pans around. I'd probably yeah. like some small set of bongos or something like that that I would hit. For sure. No, you said you mentioned your dad playing music around the house. Who are some of the first artists or albums you like vividly remember listening to that made you feel like a connection to music? Oh, the Beatles. Bruce Springsteen, uh, the Rolling Stones, Zeppelin, um, probably the Police as well. I'm a huge Stuart Copeland fan. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it's funny that you say that about the Beatles and your dad quizzing you on it because now I do that with the same thing with my little sisters because you you've got to keep passing it to the generations, you know, like exactly too, too good music to let it die. No, you can't. I mean, they, they truly the Beatles especially created sounds back then that no one's ever heard of right. you know and the way they recorded it was so 
unique and different, obviously, now where you have Pro Tools and you don't just record to, you know, to tape or two track or something like that. You know, they really reinvented the wheel with all that. For sure. So. Now, is it through high school? Do you start forming some own bands in your own in your hometown? Are you playing at church or anything? What was that like? So I had a few different friend groups and I play in bands of theirs separate times. Um, nothing major, but it was like still just something fun to do. And then um, when I went to college, I started playing with this guy. Not that often. Like when he had shows, I would do a show with him and stuff. But um, and that was a pretty good experience. But I really didn't start playing with groups till I moved to Nashville. Oh, wow. So I mean, I mean, I did, I did in college, obviously. You play in ensembles and stuff like that, but like physically playing out and playing a bunch of different songs was when I really moved to Nashville. I got you. So, but you you went to the University uh, for Arts in Philadelphia and you were studying uh, like music performance. What was that like? Uh, did you have to like do like a drumming like audition or anything or were you just going on there in performance in general? You definitely had to do a drumming audition. Um, you had to be able to play jazz latin i mean there was it was great i loved it it was the perfect place for me uh incredible incredible teachers there but you know you had to, you had to play jazz funk latin afro-cuban they basically taught you everything uh funny enough about country but uh <laughs> but no it was great i mean i had such amazing teachers i had amazing teachers before college as well i don't know if you know who dom Famulero or john favicchia are yeah but yeah. you know i studied with both of them i still um i'm still close to both of them i was actually i'm gonna be calling john back after uh, this podcast call wow uh just to catch up with him but like you know aside from you know they were great in my years prior to college and then when i got to college um you know i had amazing teachers like a guy named mark dicciani who i'm still super close with i don't know if you know who jerry brown is Mm-mm. He was Stevie Wonder's longtime drummer. He's been with Diana Ross for 20 years. I'm still very close with him. Wow. Uh, do you know who Jimmy Paxson is? I don't either. No. He was with Stevie Nicks for a long time. He's been with Lindsey Buckingham and the and the Chicks for a long time. So I got to study with him as well. Dang. And then, have you heard of the, this group called the Yellow Jackets? Oh yeah. Do you know who Marcus Baylor is? He was with them for a bit. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Got to take a few lessons with him. So all their teaching styles and playing styles have kind of seeped into my own aside from the influences that I've been listening to. Right. So it was a great culmination of just all these amazing teachers of like, I did brush playing there. I did everything across the board, but I knew come junior year of college that like, if I want to do make a career out of this country music's the way to go. Yeah. You said they didn't cover the country music uh, style in the college. Yeah, they did. No. There, was, there was one page on the four on the floor. That's all you need. That's it. And like maybe like a few like side sticks. <laughs> no, but, it's, really, it's cool, though, because you you mentioned some of your mentors and like in your bio online, like you have shining reviews from so many of them just like believing in you and what you do. What does that mean to you to have, like, have the backing of all these people that look like you look up to and they're looking back at you saying like we appreciate his craft as well? I mean, it, it means, gosh, I knew, <laughs> what are the right words to say here? I mean, it means a lot. It's like uh, they have, I don't want to say like molded, but they've 
made me the drum they help they've all helped in some way or another make me the drummer i am today and without them and me studying with them i probably wouldn't be where i am today so i appreciate each and every one of them and all of their methods of teaching because i love to teach as well and i can kind of take all of their ways of teaching culminate it into my own as well so it's not just the playing portion it's like you can take if you want to teach from the people you learn from and kind of go your own way with it too but um but yeah no i mean it's really cool for so for two of them for john and mark john got to see me play my first time at madison square garden in 2018 that was a full circle moment for us and then actually same year uh, we did a outdoor amphitheater uh both of these shows were out with jason aldean direct support and uh, i had mark and his daughter come backstage and i got mark and uh his family tickets for that show too. So it was just a full circle, full circle moment in both of those um, perspectives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now you said something uh, a few minutes ago about how you knew that you had to get in the country if you wanted to make this a career. How did you find that out? Is it, was there whispering around the halls at the, at the college that country is the way to go if you want to make it on the road? How, how did you uh, know you wanted to go that route? Um, so do you remember, do you remember uh, bands like Creed, Evanescence, see their, Finger 11. Yeah, for sure. One of my dad's best friends used to be the president and then owner of Wind Up Records. So I was interning there from my junior year of high school through sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he said to my dad, if Jake wants to continue on with his career, he could either stay in New York, go to LA or Nashville. And he said he should check out Nashville. So my senior year of college, I remember... I had to tell one of my teachers I had to miss a midterm because that was the weekend I was going to visit Nashville. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't so thrilled about it, but I said, you know, listen, I hope you understand this is, you know, potentially where I'm moving to after college. It's part of my journey. Right. And he understood and all that stuff. But so I went to Nashville. The first thing I saw was the downtown honky-tonk lower Broadway scene, and I fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, and then I just knew I had to be there. So um, upon graduating college, I was originally not going to move till October of 2013. And I did the whole Craigslist thing back in New York for a few months. And I'm an only child. So my mom was like, oh, like, you know, you just got back from college. It'd be great to have you home for a bit. And I was like, yeah, there's nothing for me here anymore. Right. I moved in August. I moved August 6, 2013. And I started playing Broadway full time by the middle of my second week. I saw that. That's just crazy to me. How do you pick up? Uh, you said it was through an alumni at your college. Are you were able to pick that gig up so fast, right? So sort of through her. So she was here and then she invited me to a party on Music Row like my second day. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely want to go. Yeah. And I just talked to anybody who was there just to meet people because I didn't know anybody. The only person I knew was my cousin who's younger than me who went, had gone to Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. He had no connections in the industry. So... I went to this party, talked to a bunch of people, met a drummer there. He said he was playing downtown that night. So uh, he said, come sit in. I did. You know, it's like timing, luck, all that stuff, culmination of all. Yeah. And uh, a very inebriated bass player walked in while I was playing my two songs. And he said, hey, is I got off. He said, is this your gig? I said, no, I just moved here yesterday. And he goes, well, our drummer is leaving. We're holding auditions tomorrow. Come audition. So I said, I'd love to. Wow. Did that. An hour later, I got the text or called. I got the gig. And the rest of that first week, 
I went and just sat in on shows, listened to everything they played, did all my homework, and started playing by the middle of my second week. Wow. Now, this is a, your story is just a shining example of this. Can you just tell uh, what's our, what's the importance of networking and just going and saying yes to going to parties like that when you first moved to town? Like, would you say that's a pretty key piece to your success is just going out that night? Yeah, oh, 100 percent. I think when you when you aren't at a point in your career that you want to be at, it, whether it's with networking or gigs, mm-hmm. say yes to anything. Yeah. If if you really feel strongly about it, but like, especially networking, like I think networking is so key to do for people because they don't really do cattle calls anymore. And it's all word of mouth. It's like, I was just literally, I was just having lunch with a buddy of mine who's a bass player and I always keep my ears open for him mm-hmm. because he's a great player. And I know he is good enough to be on a high level touring gig. Yeah. Like aside from the playing, he's got a great personality and all that stuff too, which those two definitely obviously have to fuse together to be competent on a gig and all that stuff. You got to be able to hang. Yes. Cause it's more about the hang now than I would say the playing, which is, you know, you still have to play. You have to play the songs, you have to play them well and all that stuff and consistent night after night. But as I'm sure you know, you're with these people more on a bus or during the day just hanging out than playing. Right, the show's a very small part of the day. Yes, but back to networking. Networking is huge. Mm-hmm. I remember I would go and network. I'd go, there's a, there still is, it's now every Monday and Thursday, this uh, round called Whiskey Jam, and it's yeah. all original artists. I would go there almost every Monday, even if I had a Broadway gig after. Mm-hmm. I would go till I had to leave. And since then, I mean, I've been in town for nine years now. I've probably played Whiskey Jam 14 or 15 times. I remember one time I was just there hanging out and this guy goes, hey, uh, this girl's about to go up and play. I know who you are. Can you go play two songs with her? And I was like, I never heard him, but okay. And I play with her and she goes, hey, thanks so much. I'm actually moving to L.A. tomorrow. I'm like, oh, cool. Great playing with you. Bye. Have a safe have to have a great time in L.A. Wow. I mean, but networking is huge. It's like um, there used to be a place on this area called the Mumbrine Hill and I was like the house home player there my buddy couldn't do it and he was like hey you should do this so I did it it was every Tuesday yeah and nobody really likes Cajon but I you know I played with like eight to twelve different artists every Tuesday two songs a piece one original one cover I had no idea what they were doing everybody loved it and you know that's another way of networking someone could be like oh like if I wasn't also at the time playing with luke you know then if i you know if i hadn't met him i could have gotten a gig via playing with one of these artists for sure because obviously you don't move to town to play cajon that's ridiculous yeah but um but obviously the stars aligned for me and all that stuff but it was still a great way to meet people because other people could be like hey you know are you free are you in town this week uh can you play a gig with me sure Mm -hmm. You know, if that had to happen, I could have done it. But it's all about networking. I mean, during CMA Fest in 2015, I pretty much lived at this place called The Listening Room playing Cajon for people. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, and it's a very similar story to how you uh, got your gig that you have today with Luke Combs. You guys met after a show at Tin Roof, right? Yeah, I happened to walk in. I had no idea who he was or any of his material. I walked in not knowing a single soul in there. I stood behind the stage because it was so crowded 
I called his last song, which I believe was She Got the Best of Me. And I just wanted to meet the guy. It wasn't like I was trying to get a gig or anything like that. I just, you know, said, hey, man, I really like your voice. I really like your songs or the song I heard. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And he said, thanks so much. You know, what do you do? I told him I play drums, you know, because that's what I do. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, I, I need a drummer. I have a gig next week. Do you want to play? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I said, send me your material. You know, I did I did my homework. I was the first one 30 minutes early to the, I would say, my audition slash rehearsal with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, had all my stuff set up ready to go, which I think shows a lot that you're not just there getting set up when everybody else is there. Like I was fully ready to go. Right. And I think that shows like, hey, he's he really wants this. And um, we did that gig. And then we hung out once a week for the next four months, every week, just to know each other. And then he called me and said, hey, I want you to be my guy. Do you want to do this full time? I said, yeah. And I, I haven't missed a show since. Now, what does it mean to you to be like, you've been on the come up with him, you know, like you saw the days when it was just you guys on a van to now selling out stadiums. What does that mean to you? Oh, it means, I mean, first off, like, you, I think with any artist career, you never know where it's going to take you. You have to believe in them. They have to believe in you. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's truly amazing to see how quickly this has taken off. Yeah. And I'm fortunate for every second. I still remember when we were in a 15 passenger van and we heard Hurricane on XM's highway find and we were all freaking out. And then it's like, I remember, you know, I don't remember the exact date, but I remember in 2017, like, it's like, oh, we're doing the Today Show and we're playing Hurricane and Winter Rain is Pours. And I was like freaking out. I was like, this is amazing. But I was also nervous as hell. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't mess up, you know. And, uh, you know, just like one thing led to another. And it was, it was truly amazing. I mean, I still I loved playing those shows where the audience is so close to you because you could feel the energy. Not like you can't feel in a stadium. Or an arena, but when you're that close to someone, you could truly feel like what they're feeling. I bet. But I mean, I once again, regardless of playing to 80 people or 65,000 people or 130,000 people, you got to give it your all. And one of the best things I learned from uh, the drummer for Jason Aldean, Rich Redmond, who's a buddy of mine, was whether you're playing in a small room or a stadium you got to make sure that that person in the top row all the way in the back that might see you as looking like an ant, you got to make the biggest motions, put your sticks in the air so they feel that same energy that you're giving out to the people in the front row, the people all the way in the last row. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. For sure. So now, the song that probably put, I mean, easily put you on the map is Hurricane. And then what song do you feel like, I mean, you saw this from the back, what song mm-hmm. you guys like took it to the next level for you where you see like a big like just like switch to like oh man this room is full or we're doing like an arena now you know what the crazy thing is honestly every show we've done since the very beginning was pretty much packed out the yeah. only time it wasn't packed out is because the booking guy accidentally booked the show memorial day and we still had 80 people there yeah. and the next time we played that same venue was sold out so every time we did a show it was not like oh people are trickling in it was always packed out. Yeah. Which is amazing to me. But I mean, honestly, all his songs are so good. Even his B sides that aren't number ones or singles are sure. great. Like we played the song Houston, We Got a Problem on tour. 
I was just about to say that one, literally my favorite B-side. People know the words to every single song. That yeah. one, one, you know, One Too Many we play. Um, uh, trying to think what other uh, B-sides we do. I mean, like, we do Brand New Man, and now it's kind of his song, too, because he did it with Brooks and Dunn. But Highway is one of my Hockey favorites. Town Highway, we haven't played that in a while. That's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like we have... Oh, like a song Refrigerator Door, which is a lot of fun to play. Mm-hmm. Or Must Have Never Met You. We play that one all the time in the set and people know all the words. And yeah. that could be a number one too. All his songs could be a number one, which is amazing. And they're all fun to play. And I, I mean, I would say like everybody loves When It Rains It Pours. Everybody loves Beer and Broke My Heart. You know, She Got the Best of Me. Uh, obviously Beautiful Crazy. So for yeah. a rap. All you know, you could rattle them off. People love them all for different reasons, even though I'm leaving. You know, it's a sad song, makes you want to cry. Um, but yeah, there's just it's hard to choose which one really made him take off for sure because it was just like churning them out song after song after song. Yeah, now talking about some of his records, I know uh, Jerry Rowe played a lot of the drums on a lot of his stuff. Have you ever talk, got to talk to Jerry about just like you playing the stuff that he's doing in the studio or anything? I mean, just such a talented guy in town. Oh, yeah, you know, he and I are buddies. Like we just got coffee last week. Yeah. Um, and and I was texting him about, you know, something that has to do with just just the, the playing and stuff like that. Nothing like not a question, but it was more of just thanking him. I was like, you know, I appreciate what you play on the record because obviously I'm the type of drummer where I like to learn it and play for the song yeah i like to learn what's exactly on the record and play that because that's what people are going to hear and that's what they want to hear um and i just i thanked him you know for being an incredible player and you know when i do now when i get to do some like studio stuff like demos from my house or something i think okay how would how would jerry approach this yeah and uh you know he's a great great guy him and i get along really well and um obviously monster player but his parts are just so uh tasty I, I from the groove to the fills that he plays how he chooses them and all that stuff and you know so like i, I texted him like last week thanking him for you know obviously creating these amazing parts so and he appreciated it. he was he honestly was like i don't know what to say like i'm at a loss for words but it's like you, you know just thank you you know so but he's a great great guy and um hoping one day i could you know be a fly on the wall and watch him do his thing so for sure now going back to your live set too uh what's your favorite song in the set right now one that just gets you pumped like oh this one's coming up and set like they're about to go crazy oh man um that's a good question i always love playing cold as you that's a fun one mm-hmm. sometimes we start with that one or uh sometimes down the set um one that I really enjoyed playing recently is actually the Kind of Lovely Make. It's his now 14th number one. Wow, yeah. It's amazing, but people love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's fun to play. The groove is great. And, uh, I mean, then again, it's like you need Hurricane, which is at the end of the set before the encore. And, you know, the, the main encore is being broke my heart. Yeah. Who doesn't want to play? Who doesn't love playing those two songs? For sure. So it's hard to honestly choose a favorite of like oh i can't wait to play this one because of the crowd when every single song they're always so excited to hear it yeah 
Now, you talked about being friends with Rick Redman. And for probably like a 10-year reign, Jason Aldean was the biggest artist in town. And I feel like Luke is at that spot. Have you and Rich had any conversations where he's like, oh, I remember like when we were just like at our like just like top like that and like where you guys are right now? Yeah, I mean, not, not that so they are at the top still, but like, you know what I'm no, talking they're about. Still, they're still very much touring, you know. Oh, for sure. All that stuff. Um, so when we were out on tour with them in 2018, you know, we were just kind of talking and I was like, you know, what was the their eyes with him? And he was telling me the story with them and all that stuff. And and it's in an interesting way because I don't know if Jason has really done a lot of headlining stadiums on his own. Right that I'm aware of, I don't, I could be wrong, but like he's still very much and very popular in the country music game. You know, he's still one of the top, I'd say male artists that are out there touring constantly and putting out records and having number ones. Um, And basically Rich said to me, you know, he was like, this is a lifelong gig for you, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and you could be on this gig for the next 20, 25 years. So, um, and of course I've taken that to heart and, you know, I always try to do my best and, you know, whenever I have to learn a song, I will do my homework immediately. You know, that's the thing. It's like, don't come in unprepared, come in. If you're going to, I guess, go to the, if you're going to be at the rehearsal, be there on time or honestly be there early. Um, and just be ready to go and crush the song and all, you know, play it like it's play it like you've played it a thousand times already. Yeah. So you, you've already hit on a bunch of great points, uh, but I like to close my interviews with what's a piece of advice that you would tell someone that wants to be in your shoes. That's kind of on the come up in the music industry right now. Um, Now, is this if they don't live in Nashville already or if they do? Or uh, it could be know? either or just someone that wants to, to make it in the music business. Maybe they have to move to Nashville. Maybe that's step one. So yes, point blank right there, step one. If you want to make it in the music industry, I would say move to Nashville. It's not called Music City for a reason. You know, it's like, this is where everything's made. For sure. LA is great. New York's great. But Nashville where is where everything happens. And you definitely have to move to Nashville. And I would say also when you move here, don't get discouraged if nothing happens within two to three years. It takes time. They call it a five to 10 year town. So if nothing happens, even after five years, you know, like maybe then start to reevaluate, but like still give yourself some time so it doesn't hurt. And, but yeah, definitely to be in Nashville network as much as you can. I would say one of the biggest things play out as much as possible. The more people who see you play and you're, if you're a good player, your name's going to get around town. For sure. Um, and don't be afraid to start playing on Broadway. You know, if you want to just start making an income playing music, that's a great way to start. I did that. And then what I should have said when I was visiting Nashville is I met a guy at a clothing store that's no longer around, but he and I got coffee when I first moved here. Five months into town, he was leaving a gig that was a touring gig, nothing major, but he contacted me and said, hey, you should come audition. I did. I got that gig. I did that for about six, seven months before meeting Luke. And it wasn't a bus gig. It was just a fun touring gig going around the country and stuff. But it was still a great experience. Sure. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just don't say no to anything that unless you think it's really not for you or it's not going to suit what you want to do. Sure. But 
for the most part, say, think about it first, but then, you know, if you think it's right, say yes. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Jake Summers. Jake, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at jakesummers7. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Doug Cahan, session bassist and songwriter. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.